Bayern victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley. It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. Ah yes, that music, that infamous music is back. The kits are slowly but surely dropping. The cum dog, Jason Cummings, is trending and I've released Jason Goldsmith from his carbonite hold that I keep him in during the off-season. All the signs, they only mean one thing. The A-Leagues are back. The Oz Football Hour is back as well. And I don't actually keep him in car- carbonite, but he is here nonetheless, uh, Jason Goldsmith, alongside myself, Lockie Flanagan, in the studio for the return of the Oz Football Hour. Jason, first things first, uh, we've got plenty to talk about, plenty of Australian football to review, but how are you? Because you, ha- you haven't been in carbonite. You have been no, I do doing have... things. You've been up to stuff. What I, have you been I, doing? How are you? I, I'm great, Lockie. It's fantastic to be back. I do enjoy the Star Wars reference always. Thank fantastic. you. Fantastic. Um, no, I've been keeping busy. I've been watching lots of football, watching the Socceroos, trying to get uh, to as many Australia Cup games as I have been able cool. to. It's it's an off season of such for the for the A leagues, not for people involved with the NPL around the country and the Australia Cup, and that's been a magnificent tournament to to get to. Um, and congratulations to you while we do it. And we'll be calling one of the games for Channel Ten as well, which oh, is uh, thank you, which was uh, wow, fantastic. It's been, it's been that long since since you went into the into the carbonite. That's, that's it's, crazy. it's been a while. So yeah, yeah. and managed to, to to cover Oakley Cannons a little uh, run at the cup. No, great to be back, um, and a lot to look forward to in the coming summer. We have uh, an A League season with hopefully uh, a few uh, kinks have been ironed out from the last couple of COVID interrupted seasons. Hopefully we've got a really good run up at it and um and the World Cup. And since I think we last caught up, Australia made it and uh yeah, in the group games coming up too. So. Yes, that's right, because I remember you went away, I think, and Nick and I rounded out we did our little post show did, or yes. post uh, qualification qualification debrief. I still which I still can't believe it all it all happened. I remember no. I remember I'm thinking back to that time and there was a Certainly, a lot of um, trepidation about the the prospect of playing Peru, and so we've missed all the grey wiggle stuff. And now that the Peru have like rodeo clowns doing the grey wiggle, uh, yeah, in Peru, and it's, it's just become it's quite amazing the thing. how uh, in our corner of the the universe that whole grey wiggle thing has passed us by. Yet over in Peru, they they it's very very much still fresh in the. Uh, Fresh in the memory. Absolutely. And for another four years, I guess, for those guys, which is quite are you, unfortunate. Are you surprised by the the extent to which Peruvian, you know, the nation of Peru have made a point of, um, you know, getting bulls to, to run over imitation <laughs> Andrew Redmayne's. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's Redmayne a, lot of, pinatas. a lot of hate and anger in, in missing the World Cup. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, that's fair. it's you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the greatest show on earth every four years, you know. So, um yeah, and, and it's unfortunate with Redmayne getting a start for the Socceroos, his first real start um, on Sunday just gone in New Zealand with New Zealand's all-white kit that he wasn't the grey wiggle. He had to wear a blue yeah. had to wear a blue outfit. So, unfortunately, um, we, hopefully he gets to wear the grey one That time. would probably make him the first cross-colour wiggle. We've seen new people fill the shirts from time to time, but true. no one's gone from, like, red to purple. You know, no one's just become Jeff. I mean, there's only one Jeff, so... I mean, I, we can probably keep our, our wiggle discussion for our own separate wiggles uh, specific podcast. But um, 
Look, it, it's not just a, a time to celebrate the return of, uh, of this show, the return of you to the studio, but it has in the past week been a, a chance to celebrate as well the, the centenary of the Socceroos. And, of course, we did mark that with those two games mm-hmm. against New Zealand from uh, which Australia emerged victors on both occasions. A, a clean sweep, both uh, both home and away, a 1-0 win in the... Uh, I mean, it's not a first leg. It wasn't... Yep. It wasn't like that, but uh, you know, a one nil win in the first game, and then a two nil win over in New Zealand in in the second. How did you uh, How did you see those those couple of games that we played? Well, it's, it's so interesting in that I think, and maybe somewhat disappointing and a little bit pedestrian that the the Brisbane game, the home leg, was only in front of twenty five thousand, and Arnie went with his tried and true sort of formula of players, and then the the Sunday game was just. Um, Really, really good to watch as the observer because you had six debutants come on and he was basically playing the reserve or the backup team. There was only, I think, a couple of guys that started that had more than 10 caps. Um, and it was that was really good to watch. I really enjoyed the second leg because – or second leg, the second game because all of a sudden there's questions to be asked. He had 31 players in the squad. There's a few that weren't picked through injuries and, and whatever. Is getting down – to actually reduce the numbers to 26 that will go to Qatar is, is quite, and he mentioned it's going to be a headache. It certainly will with some of the, the questions. More, more questions to be asked after the second game, mm. I guess. Uh, and it will be something that we'll definitely talk about as, as we go through this, uh, re- this review. Now, now let's, let's start. It's, it's a little bit dated now because it did, did happen a while ago. But let, let's start with uh, that, that first game, the 1-0 the with the first choice 11, the, mm-hmm. the farewell game, I guess, um, you know, at, over in, uh, in in Queensland. I wasn't able to, to watch this one live, but but you did. Uh, the, the first choice 11 getting a 1-0 a, a win on the night. Our Mobile with not his first Socceroos goal, but his first on uh, on Australian soil, which uh, was, was quite a nice uh, quite a nice moment. Was it a, you know, a, a composed, solid victory? How, how did you sort of oh, see the game? Not, not really, Lockie. Like, it's... Um, the, the game was fairly, like I said the word pedestrian before, it was fairly sort of slow going in terms of, of how they were working out. And I think the more questions will be, um, in regards to the lineup that they went with, would be, you know, the central defenders mm. and um, and the main striker and, and how that's going to look coming in. Because I think our goalkeeper's settled, our um, right and left back are pretty settled, the midfield is settled, the two wingers are settled. It's just a couple of questions still be asked. And... Um, you know, Sainsbury and uh, Degenek have, have been there for a long time. They, they both started on uh, on Thursday night and, and, and were, were solid enough, I guess. Tag it up front uh, and then replaced by J-Mac uh, in, uh, later in the game. Um, but I think the rest of the team is pretty standard. And, and knowing how conservative Graham Arnold tends to be, uh, he's pretty much sort of left <laughs> left the team there. I guess the bench positions are what we'll be looking at towards the... Uh, Towards mm. the trip. Well, what of what of Taggart in particular? Because I know that he's been a player that a lot of people have been clamouring to sort of see as the mm-hmm. um, as as the starting striker for this side on a on a permanent on a permanent basis. But maybe not his best game reintegrating into into the team. Yeah, but he wasn't alone in, in regards to that, Lockie. They, they, they were all pretty flat. You know, Mobile has hit, he's, he's hit a pretty good uh, strike to score, but they, were, they all seem fairly flat, which you'd expect from them coming, you know, across at short notice to, to mm. line up for this friendly. 
And you remember, it is a friendly. So, you know, trying to celebrate 100 years of the Socceroos through these two games against New Zealand. Um, look, yeah, it was it was there. It was a win. It was a win at home. Hopefully, you know, get ready to send them off and farewell them off Australian soil. And then the Sunday game was the one which has, I think, way more talking points Yeah, uh, in regards to who's going to be on the plane and, and how it's actually going to work together. Absolutely. And and pretty much all of the, well, all of the players that we saw take, mm-hmm. the, uh, take the starting 11, take the field um, in that first game, all just vanished. I mean, they haven't disappeared. We're not searching for them. We, Correct. We, Graham Arnold allowed them to, to leave, and that gave rise to a completely new look side. A lot of players with under five caps featuring in the in the starting lineup for the second game in New Zealand, and then, as you mentioned before, six debutants coming on in that second half, and certainly this is the, the, the time where that, that headache did start to arise because we saw particularly, I thought, from... Uh, particularly from the players who came off the bench, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of players maybe put their hand up and say, "Maybe give give me a, give me a, a thought or two when it comes to picking that twenty six man squad." I mean, I thought from the the starting eleven in this game, which of course Australia won two nil. You you talked about how the fullback slots are, mm-hmm. are kind of kind of bolted on, but I thought Nathaniel Atkinson had. Uh, even though he's had a, a pretty difficult, um, difficult club season so far with Hearts, he's had a bit of a um, bit of a torrid start to, to the year. To, to be honest with you, but in this game, I thought he was he was he was very good. He was he was very good. Um, I don't think he's Arnie's favourite to start, but he was very good. Um, just on, I'm, I'm glad he wasn't injured too, because the turf uh, was pretty much uh, very slippery. We noticed that the, um, they played a couple of rugby union games on it the day before at Eden Park. And it was very noticeable. And at one stage, Atkinson went down clutching his knee in that first half. And luckily, he's yes. okay. Um, but a lot of the players were slipping over um, all, o- yeah, all over the shop. So in terms of the, uh, the surface, was uh, a little bit questionable, I guess, for such a big name. But yeah, Atkinson was great. And the other thing there, uh, a starting debutante was Harrison Delbridge, who, of course, um, studied college, played college soccer and then... Uh, Back to Melbourne City and now doing great things in Korea. I I think it was he was solid enough, but he won't get on the plane given that we have the likes of Kai Rolls and Harry Sutar who are injured and weren't in that initial squad of thirty one. So um, he'd probably be better for the run, but won't uh, won't feature mm. and, and in Qatar. To, and to add to that, his of course his his central defensive partner in this game, uh, Thomas Deng, and, and neither of them really put much of a, a foot wrong. Delbridge probably had a. A few moments there, there was a sort of quite clumsily given away free kick yep. for New Zealand yep. on the edge of the box. Um, but you know, Deng also, I thought, um, in his return Deng, to, Deng, to the Socceroos fold, acquitted himself very well, extremely well. Deng is probably, uh, uh, I reckon, his performance on Sunday puts him on the plane. Uh, you've got to remember too with the Oli Roos last year, he was the skipper. And he's finally had some. He's had some bad runs in terms of injury with mm. his time in in Japan. That uh, I thought his performance was fantastic. He's probably going to get a spot going to Qatar in in that respect. Someone that could actually fill that role because I mean he goes back to Sainsbury quite often, and Sutar is probably his preferred back too. But they're not going to be there when you've got um, yeah Rolls and and Deng uh, looking pretty good. So yeah, Tommy Deng was great. Yeah, and he's also, I guess, got that versatility as someone who who can also perform at at right back. I yep. mean, that's not necessarily 
well, I wouldn't say it's not a problem area for the Socceroos, but it, it's 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 definitely a place where we've got some feasible options. But yep. to have someone, anyone who's a, a dual position player, well, that's it. That gets him. That gets him on the plane in case is, of injury. Yeah, he's yep. always he's always going yep. to to win you a bonus point. Now, the first half of this game was a, a, a bit of a a, a struggle. Mm-hmm. I thought. Um, I thought the substitutions in the second half really changed the dynamic of this game and uh, Australia decided to play um, and press a bit higher up the pitch, which I think really worked. Uh, but one one of the players who sort of, I think, communicated that point or was an example of that point uh, very well was Marco Tilio. Now, yes. his first half was uh, not particularly good when the, the Socceroos were sitting a bit deeper. He sort of found it quite hard to get into positions where he could sort of make his influence on the game, and then of course, right before the halftime whistle, he had that sort of horrendous, yeah, sitter, yeah. horrendous miss. But did lift in in the second half before he, I think, eventually, uh, eventually came off. Did he sort of potentially hurt his his stocks? I reckon. With, I reckon with that game. Yeah, spot on. I what what I don't quite get with the national team. If you've got someone that's not starting at club level. Um, which Marco Tilio doesn't regularly start for Melbourne City. He's that impact player off the bench, getting 30 minutes, 25 minutes. Similar to what Arzani was last campaign, right? He's the guy that comes off and, and makes an impact. So you're expecting him to start. So he's coming on and he's not um, he's not running around with that uh, energy and that fitness, that sort of fly-in-the-bottle type, um, you know, uh, I guess chasing balls down and running around like he does when he's an impact player. So you're asking mm. him to play a different role. Missing that sitter didn't really help him and then one of the debutants who is known as an impact player off the bench came off the bench and and basically set up the second goal uh, I'm talking about Kwa we'll, we'll get to him later but um maybe Garang made the difference in terms of showing what you can do off the bench I think Marco probably would have been better if he was played off the bench yeah I think that's a fair call well before before Garang and and the rest of the the crew did come on mm-hmm. and uh and excite and create the the bulk of the headlines. Of course, Australia did find the opening goal as they had that sort of really um, vastly improved start to the second mm-hmm. half. I think it was the the opening eight minutes, and it's got quite a nice goal in the end. Uh, it Mitch is Duke and Metcalf's cross. Yeah, yeah. I think that Metcalf and Duke have both put themselves on the plane. I think with that performance, even though it's a basic performance, but did Metcalf do enough to? Crack a start? No, I don't think he starts. If we, if we look at the midfield that started on Thursday, it was Rustic, uh, Moy and Irvine. I don't think that has to be the, 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 the top sort of three midfielders that we'll be going with leading into the World Cup. Metcalf probably would. With Duke scoring, um, perfect cross was pretty much put it up for him to nod in, but that's similar. That's kind of... Uh, Arnie's tactics when all else is failing is those um, long balls to a tall fella to nod in. And mm. <laughs> Duke did it um, and did it perfectly. Like it was just set up for him. But that's that's what Arnie actually likes and he goes through when we're chasing the game. So that will keep Duke um, in the team. Might even get him a starting berth, to be honest, um, in Arnie's team for the for the first game. I, I would prefer him as sort of uh, to come on and chase the game if necessary. But I think that puts him in uh, – Really puts him in the frame to start. Not my preferred, well, but just Inani's preferred. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, he's clearly uh, Graham Arnold. I don't think has made any secret of the fact that he is is places a high priority on on 
those who he knows he can work with. Yeah, and I think Mitch Duke has sort of been his number one crisis actor. Of course, we saw him involved in, in the Oli Roos, sort of yep. filling that striker void there as well. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's a good point that that, especially because... Yes, Adam Taggart made the first choice 11 in mm-hmm. the opening game, but necessarily, as you pointed out, he wasn't alone in this, but didn't have his best game. Perhaps that opens the door uh, to a to a greater extent extent for Mitch Duke. But then if we're... Uh, I guess what gives me pause for thought as we start to talk about some of the players who, who did come on and have an impact, obviously, Garang, Jason Cummings, uh, Cam Devlin, yeah. uh, Ryan Strain as well, who mm-hmm. also came off the bench... If you're a player who is in danger of not making contention or not being in squad contention mm. and you started this game, then can we have too much hope for the ones that only got a 30-minute cameo across the two games as as good as they were? I don't know. It, it, does, it not, does it not give you pause for thought? Absolutely gives you pause for thought because um, – and, and you will have a quite a fond – Look, I guess at the of the six debutants on on Sunday's game, Indeed. four of them have a, a Scottish connection. So I think for Australian football overall, you've got Strain, Devlin, and, and Bacchus that have gone over to play in the Scottish Premier League, and that's given them the opportunity to make the national team, which actually opens up more spots within the Australian teams for for younger Aussie talent. So that's probably a very good thing. I know Joey Lynch wrote an article on how Brexit's actually help uh, helped get the Aussies over into the the Scottish. Premier League, which is fantastic. But, yeah, Devlin was fantastic. Bacchus and Strain, really good. And Jason Cummings just, I mean, we we can talk about Cap the Cum Dog and how we all went through it last season, but he's a very, very good footballer. He links up very well. He chases down. Like, he does a lot of things off the ball that some of our other strikers don't. Uh, and him being playing at club level with um, with Qual, I reckon – in my personal opinion, would would work better. They seem to gel really well. Mm. I, I guess the the sort of them playing together, perhaps throughout the season, as they both chase that soccer is opportunity for the World Cup might work in their favour. They're they're sort of pushing to bring out the best in one another. The the important caveat there is that we have seen some reports recently that Garang is potentially on his way to ink a deal with yep. Newcastle as, as soon as the sort of next few days. By the time we next record, perhaps, this could all be a moot point. But I, I think they were certainly the two sort of most um, eye-catching contributions yep. o- o- off the bench. I mean, there's a certain... Um, there's a certain je ne sais quoi to, like, both of them. They just have this kind of dynamism that you, you just... You think that not only from a tactical perspective, maybe the Socceroos could use a bit more up, but also just from a personality perspective. Like playing well is is or getting results is one thing, but playing well is a, is another thing you've got to factor in. But also yep. having a team that actually has a point of connection, has people root, wanting to root for them. Yep. I think that. In 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 Garang and and Jason Cummings in particular, they've almost got more sort of um, outward personality stuff that can be used for media stuff that can bring people in oh. the tent of the Socceroos than the rest of the you know forty fifty players in contention combined. They just they've just I don't know what it is, they, but they've got it. They have personality and like for the dress suit, not just the social media and the media and mm. their interviews, which they're both fantastic at because there's some innocence there from both of them. 
uh, and some honesty. But the dressing room would be up and about with those kinds of players in, in the mm. team. I think what we might find is that the start of the, the men's A-League might potentially become a bit of a shootout between Jason Cummings and Jamie McLaren for that final striker spot because this squad of 31 had four. I don't think they'll take four. They'll take they'll take three. I think Taggart and Duke, I think Arnie's played his you hand that he knows they're that they're, they're, they're going and that I think J-Mac has – Scored goals for the Socceroos a lot, but probably against the lesser Asian nature, nations. And Jason Cummings is, uh, you know, would have scored without that handball and got the penalty to to to, to get off the mark on on Sunday. I think that will be. I think there's six games leading until they get on the plane. That that might end up just being a shootout between J Mac and and Jason Cummings. Yeah, and I think, I think that you know Cummings has given himself the their best possible chance. Like he, he couldn't have done. I think much more, and really neither could have um, have Garang mm. with the admittedly limited opportunity they got across the two games. They couldn't really have done uh, much more with it. I mean, obviously the the the, the run from Garang to help set up the move mm. that leads to the penalty is, is is sort of the main focus. It's just not something that we. Yeah, it's just not something that we see enough from from this Socceroo side and. Let's be honest. We've got France, we've got uh, Tunisia, and then we've got Denmark. You, you would aff- you would you would expect at some stage in in one, if not all of those uh, matches, we are chasing the game, right? We will be at the seventy yeah, minute I would, mark. I we, would anticipate that, right? Yes. Seventy minute mark, we are we're down by one or two goals, and we need to do something, right? In which case, you need to throw the X factors off the bench to see what they can do, and what is happening in the A-League and we saw for the All-Stars against Barcelona that Qual is doing that. Um, and linking up with Cummings can actually do that as well. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I think a tiny cameo of what was it for them? 15 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, not not much. It was about half an hour, I, th- I think. Maybe that, maybe slightly less. It was Devlin who played roughly half an hour. Yeah, that's that should get them, in my, in my view... That gets Socceroos fans up and about more so than the campaign to qualify, which went to the playoffs and went to a penalty shootout. Like we 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 got to remember, we we absolutely fell in. Um, that gets everyone excited. I'm excited. I was watching um, Qual and Cummings, and that was that was the most exciting part of yeah, Sunday's this, game. This was the most. That second half was, and I'm talking the performance as well yep. as the individuals involved, was the most I've felt. Yep, watching a soccer is game like the most emotion. Yeah, um, and you know, for me, that's very hard. <laughs> um, you know that I felt watching the the soccer is for for some time. I I don't often get up off my my seat or you know sit up straight in my yep. chair because of what I've seen. But that run, that dash down the right hand side, the way he just swung a leg out to keep the ball in play as yep. it was traveling, and then just turned on the afterburners to charge down the right. Um, it instantly just made you sit up and go, I need to be paying attention to, to sort of what's happening here and I want more of that. But the, I want more of it as well. Like that's that's been the most exciting part of watching the Socceroos in the last, you know, this whole campaign and the rest of it. But the thing is, Arnie's so conservative and even when we needed X Factors and, and the rest of it, like the Japan game that took us to the playoffs, the one in Sydney, we went with Duke, we never sort of, we maybe chucked on Tilio in the last 15 minutes who looked fantastic, but... 
it doesn't happen. He's going to go with a tried and tested 11 that he's looked after him for the last four years. I think, unfortunately, and probably to the to the fans' detriment and the players' detriment, Sunday's game where we had these six debutants and we had the likes of of Deng and Atkinson and John Rowe and, and McGree and Metcalf, and, and like they're just playing for a spot on the plane and will probably be wearing the bib for most of the most of the three World Cup games. Mm, yeah, well, the the player that we haven't uh, yeah kind of feels a bit redundant in the context of what you've just said. But the player who did come off the bench that we haven't really spoken about uh, other than Ryan Strain was was Cam Devlin. Yep. And now I recognize that he is a long way down the pecking order and that and rightly so in many respects, uh, Jason Cummings and Garen Cole were the players that sort of had most people or occupied most of the discussion space mm-hmm. after after the full-time whistle went. But, man, I thought Cam Devlin, uh, and obviously I, I make no um, attempt to disguise the fact no, that I am, I am a hearts, you, you, hearts you watch, man. And watch I, him closer than most. I have, I have probably watched as much of Cameron Devlin in the past since he's left, um, you know, for well, greener pastures, I guess, if you can call Scotland that, um, since he's left as, as many other people would have. And I, I, he's had a great start to the season in Scotland. I rate him really, really highly. And... I think he displayed a lot of the attributes as a defensive midfielder, albeit against a New Zealand side who I don't think acquitted themselves very well. They sort of struggled to to break into the game, particularly after that injury to to, to Chris Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he was able to do in those thirty minutes in terms of um, break up attacks, uh, be that sort of midfield. Terrier in front of a in front of a back four, make the interceptions, stick a stick a foot in. We saw more of, of that from him in thirty minutes than I think we've seen from anyone who's been tasked to play that screener role in front of a back four for the Socceroos for a handful of games. Yeah, I agree. He was he was fantastic. Got to remember, there've been calls for him to be in the squad for a while with his form in Scotland last season, not the one just started. So mm. he's he's got runs on the board in that respect in terms of performing in Europe. So that's fantastic that he's now capped and he's yeah. can see part of be part of it and hopefully he's one that makes the team. I guess we mentioned injuries to like um Rolls and Sutar, but there's not too many others in terms of, of midfielders that um weren't in this squad of 31 outside of, of Tommy Rogic. No, and I guess, I guess Craig Goodwin was one of the other players who sort of... I think he's quite unlucky, Craig Goodwin. To be honest, he's not considered in that squad. That's probably said you're not not in contention, and he was absolutely fantastic against Yeah, Pro. I mean, there might even be a few Victory fans who are, who are listening to this thinking, mm. hey, you've, you're talking about the midfield's just about sorted. Yep. What about the uh, what about the Johnny Warren medalist? Where's his... Uh, Where's his rightful place in this conversation, Jake Brimmer? But yeah, so Brimmer Brimmer hasn't been capped, and then you've got D'Agostino that has. There's not going to miss out. Iconomides, who would be a chance. So these guys aren't going to be considered if that if they weren't in that 31 that um, Arnie picked, and they not haven't played before. I don't think they'll be considered. Uh, and this is why I'm trying to sort of temper my expectations when it comes to to, to Devlin, because I do think he was really good in those 30 minutes. I do think. His attributes, a lot of them are elements that, while it's maybe not the the most 
sizable problem area or thing to address for the Socceroos. He brought a lot to that defensive midfield that we haven't seen uh, a lot of in in that position. And I think against more against opponents who are going to have a lot of the ball, I think someone with those attributes becomes more important as mm-hmm. opposed to less important. Um, but despite that, the fact that he has only been not even starting in this second game, but coming off the bench for a 30-minute cameo yep. probably tells you that his odds of starting, unless he has uh, kicks his already pretty strong form in Scotland up to another level, yep. unless he is able to do that, that his odds of, of starting any of the games at the World Cup are, are, are very, very long. Who did he replace? Did he replace Metcalf or John Rowe? I can't remember. When he came on. Um, I can't. I can't recall recall either, actually. So Metcalf and, and Denny Jonrow both played, or both started, and neither of them are getting big minutes in Europe at the moment. I think um, Jonrow hasn't played too much now that um, his French side's in the in the top division. He hasn't got too many minutes, and Metcalf hasn't uh, in Germany, not as many as uh, Irvine as well. So um, there is that opportunity for, for Devlin to job share with someone in the midfield. I think that's uh, he's probably his best bet coming forward. How old is he? How old's Cammy? Uh, I think he's 24. 24. Okay. 24. So he should, we should but, be looking at him almost coming into his prime. But, but seriously, like if you look at all the other midfield options, does anyone does anyone quite do that? Now, I'm, I'm not – he does have his drawbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the criticisms of, of him is that he's maybe not the most um, – progressive passer all the time. I do think it was pleasing to that end that we actually saw a, a few more um, incisive forward passes from him in this game. We have seen him make a few more kind of uh, attacking runs, albeit in transition in in games for Hearts. We saw him contribute to, to one of the goals that they scored in their, their second game of the, the Conference League against, uh, against Riga. So he is working on that side of his game. But if we're just talking about like the raw defensive uh, attributes in that position. Is there another player who really does that or for whom that that is their bread and butter? Like he replaced um, replaced Denny Genre in the game who has been played as a deeper lying midfielder. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's Genre's best position. Metcalf has got those elements, but again, he's not an out and out Screener, he is more of an eight. He likes to have that sort of languid ball carrying ability, progressing it into further areas. Even though he's a, a big yeah. physical guy, and Irvine's sort of the the same. He's got the defensive acumen, but he does like to make those third man runs into the penalty box. You kind of, with all of those players and Moy as well, can do a job defensively, but he's also a distributor. With all of those players, you kind of want, maybe with the exception of Moy. Um, you kind of want a foil. Mm. You kind of want someone who is the stay-at-home presence that allows the more creative, uh, dynamic midfielder in that setup to be able to have the freedom to advance and get themselves involved in those deeper phases of play. Um, does any do any of those players is that really their best position in the same way it is Devlin's? I don't think so. No. And have we had one since Yedinak that's doing that sort of role? No. You know, that tough guy in front of the defenders? I guess Moy can be that, but I don't think it's his best No, it's not his ability. best. He wants, he's a, and and we, the reason he's not sort of more attack-minded is more down to his, like, mobility. Yeah, he's not quick. Yeah. yeah he's not quick. But I, who out of 
Moy, Irvine, and Rustic is not starting. Rustic and Irvine are going to start. Rustic's our best player, I, I believe, anyway, and, and Irvine will start with him just because uh, Arnie's used him all the way through. There's that third spot up for grabs, but is it's, that... It's a tough one because I, I Moy... I mean, he's a soccer. He's not only he's a soccer. He's team of the century player now. Um, that, that's maybe a whole nother matter for discussion. Yeah, um, he's a soccer. team of the century player. I, I don't. This is the problem. Is it Moy is not going to? If I was going to get rid of any of the three, mm. maybe he'd be the one who yeah, would, who, would, yeah. who would make way. And I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't because I I don't think Moy and Devlin as a pairing is necessarily no. one that works. I don't think there's enough. Um, I think then you're putting too much burden for midfield creativity to come at the feet of, of Aiden Hrustic, um, Hrustic, sorry. Uh, and I don't think that's really a conducive way to, to sort of, to sort of play. Yeah. So, and the other thing to look at too, when we get into Qatar, the heat of Qatar, right? They're, they're not, because this world cup is ridiculously being hosted there. That's, the, the players aren't in camp for that long, that the games are going to probably be a little bit slower. I know all the stadiums are air-conditioned and the rest of it. It might actually suit Moy a little bit. If the game's a little bit slower uh, and he can still do his normal distribution best. But anyway, like look, like I said, sun, and you agree, Sunday was fantastic. It was so encouraging for those that have, have, have called for a bit of injection, a bit of difference, a point of difference to the team. And I think we got that. We got more questions than answers, which is probably a good thing. But... Um, yeah, let's just hope that some of these uh, some of these kids and all the ones playing playing their trade in Scotland makes a difference, and we see them. Yeah, going but it to the would. World but, it, but and I think by that same token, it was nice to have some. It it was a really refreshing, and I'm only really stumbling on this realization now as someone who has been fairly pessimistic about the Socceroos. It was a really nice change of pace on Sunday afternoon yeah. to be as I often am locked in discussions with people yeah. about what happened with the team, but. None of it was like really oh, – what am I trying to say here? None of it was really coming from a place of pain or concern or hurt. It was more like, you know, we need to be having these conversations and we are locked in vigorous debate because we're there's – there's an element of hope to, yeah. the, to the debate that was being had. And I found that quite refreshing. I think – Whoever the next Socceroos coach would be would needs to look at that Sunday game exactly. and get excited. Mm. And get really excited because the bulk of that squad were Ollie Roos. Um, who knocked off Argentina? Not the best Argentinian team, but in the Olympics did did, did some good things and have a, a really good eye to the future because um, there are members of this squad that won't be around for the next campaign. There's, there'll be a lot of members of this squad that won't be going around. You look at like Leckie and Sainsbury, this will be their third World Cup and Matty Ryan as well. Third World Cup campaigns, you can't see them um, progressing to the to the next one. And then you've got the likes of Duke and Boyle and stuff, their late 20s, early 30s, that, that'll change things up. So um, the next Socceroos coach, it's very, very exciting because we have elements of, of X Factor, elements of pace, elements of uh, ag- aggression, um, skill. It's, it's there. Some of the, the building blocks are there. So hopefully um, whatever happens in Qatar, um, we have got – the next gen almost mm. ready to wheel out. And it, it coincides quite nicely with something else. Like well, throughout all of these different World Cup qualification cycles, and you, you, you know me, I, I, I'm someone who results 
for me personally, when I watch football, it's not, not the, the be all. Like, yes, I like to win, but I do like to. Uh, my preference yeah. is, to, is to, you know, um, not, not, I don't want to say win in a certain way, but uh, the, the style of, of victory matters as much to me yeah, uh, it, it, as, as victory itself. But w- when you're playing in, in a tight sort of um, situation like World Cup qualification where there is only so many spots available, um, you know, setting up in a certain way, winning at all costs, which has, you know, playing hard, that kind of thing, which has, I think, characterised a lot of mm. Socceroos' performances and play for a long time yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Is that... As apparent when you have an expansion of the World Cup, and let, let's be honest, Australia are going from this point onwards to find it a lot easier to qualify. Now, does that just mean that we can keep doing the same thing we've always done, playing the same way because we're probably going to qualify regardless? Maybe. But it gives me Sunday and the idea that we might find it easier to qualify in future gives me hope that we can start thinking a bit less with these exciting players we've got at our disposal, thinking a bit less about how desperately we need to win and a bit more about how we want to go about it. Which, I don't know. Yeah, it gives yeah, no, us no, the chance to, yeah. to think That's, a bit more about what does what do we want to say through our football this, about Australia to the world. This is you singing from the Postacoglu hymn book because he's like, why just qualify when you've got to try and win it, right? Which is... A great way to look at it, if you want to look historically, we have won two games in five World Cups that we've been mm. to, right? We've only won two games, okay? So as great as it was in 06 to qualify to the um, round of 16, it was a win, a loss, and a draw. The same thing happened again in South Africa. It was a win, a loss, and a draw. Brazil was three losses. Russia was one draw, two losses. Um, the best we can hope for, I think, coming into these three games is, is a point, seriously, like because they are not playing – the type of football that are going to have us defeat the current World Cup champions, mm. a very, very um, capable European team in Denmark and Tunisia, you know. So, again, with a 48-team World Cup, you need to develop some creativity, some um, some difference, point of difference in how we but, play yeah, but it just, with a it chance gives to get you some the, points. It gives you potentially that – I don't say freedom because I don't want to say that no, no, they'll qualify. You agree? They will qualify. They're going to be a lot yeah. better chance of doing it without as much um, of the sort of heart wrenching troubles that we've been. through. Correct. But if it's a forty eight team World Cup, the chances are rather than three group games, it's going to be two group games, right? Mm. So there's less of a chance to make an impact. So mm. you need to That's true. You go bang bang yeah. straight away. And I, I, and I think the the fact that we had players play in these games or in the second game in particular that had attributes that we haven't seen in the soccerers for a while, in my view gives you hope that, that that's the path that we might strive down. Uh, before we head to to a little break, Jason, and, and start to talk a bit of Australia Cup, we did mention that Socceroos team of the the, the century. Now, yes. it's, it's stirred up a lot of debate online. I personally don't have many strong viewpoints about it, mainly mm. because it's a, it's a fan, an online vote, and naturally that is going to lead to the voting skewing towards people who are terminally online. Yes. Um, but I'd be interested to get your t- – as someone who's very connected not just to the present of the game but also has a maybe deeper understanding of the, the history than perhaps some others do, I'd be, I'd be keen to get your, your take yeah. on, the, uh, on the selections. Yeah. I, look, um, it's interesting. There's a lot of focus on the recent history 
of the Socceroos, and that being because we've made the last four World Cups in a row, this will be five. Also, our move into – so qualifying in 2006 was such a momentous occasion after 32 years away from the game that Hiddink becomes um, elevated to the top despite Ange winning a, a trophy. I mean, Raleigh Rasic qualified for a, what, was a 16-team a 16 World Cup team with semi-professionals. Correct. So you would have – yeah, correct. So you'd, you'd skew towards the recent history. And the other thing, in terms of games played, we hardly played until we moved to Asia. Remember? So we wouldn't have – um, some of our better players come through. You look at some the likes of Paul Ocon, Ned Zelich, um, Mark Bosnich that weren't in the team. And they were doing amazing things in, in Europe and mm. in, in England um, but didn't play for Socceroos that much because we didn't play too many games, right? And then you've got the guys that were battling it out in the 60s and, and, and early 70s that should have made it through. So it's an interesting – what I was fan voted but then they did add a few extras in there. So – yeah, I, I don't pay, give it too much kudos. It's very skewed towards their most recent history. Is that you? You rattled off some there. Is there a name that you think more than any other is like the the glaring omission? I mean, someone like a a, a Ned Zelich, like we we don't really have to get into why, but is probably never even if he was the best ever Socceroo, which he wasn't, but he was you know he was a Socceroo yeah, who did do good. great things in Europe. Yep. Um, is never going to, I think, be on the winning side of a, a fan vote. No, he's not. And the other thing too, if you're looking at it for playing for the Socceroos, then clearly um, say Mark Viduka didn't have the, the greatest of goal-scoring records with the Socceroos, given how brilliant he was at club level around here in Melbourne and also Glasgow and Leeds and Newcastle, Mill, Middlesbrough, Croatia. You know, like he, he's amazing at club level, but at the Socceroos, he didn't get so much help. Harry Kuehl wasn't available so often for the Socceroos as well. And Aaron Moy. So the guys that have made it through to a top level of playing overseas got uh, a pretty good run at it as well. So, um, yeah, Matty, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Like there's some names that you can't, obviously they've played fantastically for the Socceroos that you wouldn't, wouldn't give up. Um, you've looked after every World Cup captain, I believe, in that in that team, plus every World Cup coach outside of Pim Verbeek and uh, – BVM, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I don't give it too much kudos. It's just a nice fan friendly exercise to get people involved and perhaps excited for who they can get out of this World Cup that would be into that team. Fair enough. And yeah. it, look, it has it has certainly uh, certainly generated some discussion, and that that certainly can't be a, can't be a bad thing. Uh, we're going to head to a break, but on the other side, we're going to get into some uh, discussion of what really has been the. Uh, the, the the centerpiece Australian football talking point during your uh, you know disappearance your your mm-hmm. your carbonite years or yes. carbonite months yep. uh, which is the Australia Cup we've reached uh, reached the final it's an NPL versus A League affair for the first ever time between Sydney United and Macarthur FC we're gonna break it down look at their runs to the finals uh, look ahead to the game on the other side of the break. Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbaroussis! Wow! Yeah! Up like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And dear Manti again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Welcome back. 
to the Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. We've been talking all things Socceroos to mark the return of the program back to the airwaves. We've been reviewing the games against New Zealand, reviewing the controversial uh, online voted team of the century, but uh, now we're going to move away from the international stage and get to the extremely local stuff. And uh, I speak of none other than the Australia Cup final coming up this Saturday at Combank Stadium. And as we go to where the uh, announcement has come through from the Football Australia socials that 10,000 tickets have already been sold a number of days out from the event. And I think it's fair to say the, well, I wouldn't say the excitement is, is building necessarily, but the, the hype that this cup has built throughout the stages of the tournament looks like it's going to uh, culminate with, with quite a, a captivating final, I think, this Saturday, Jason, between it, Sydney United and MacArthur. It is a, I'm not going to say hidden gem because it's obviously quite accessible now on, on free-to-air through through 10 play. Um, but this tournament is amazing. I, I actually get up for it most years, and I, I went to as many... NPL versus A-League games that I possibly could. And here in Melbourne, we were lucky. I got to see Heidelberg take on Brisbane Raw. Um, I got to see uh, Avondale take on Brisbane Raw. And the other one I went to was Bentley Greens and, and Sydney FC in terms of the, the, you know, the David versus Goliath type games. And at this time of the season now, it's not that far removed. And we saw more NPL sides knock out A-League teams than we have ever before, and Sydney United have done two on the on the trot to get through. Yeah, they have, hoping to make it three. They've, of course, already knocked off the uh, the Brisbane Raw in that mm-hmm. thrilling game that they had in the semi-final at Adenza Park. And then before that, I say it like it's it really, I've buried the lead here, really. Uh, they beat the, uh, the reigning A-League champions 1-0 uh, at Adenza Park as well. I mean, this has been... It's been the Australia Cup run for an NPL side, the fairy tale run to end all fairy tale runs, really. And the thing about it, too, is that they haven't had the greatest of seasons in NPL New South Wales. I looked it up today. They finished eighth out of 12. Yeah, they, they had a very, uh, I do a bit of, um, you know, do a bit of highlight editing for yes. the New South Wales NPL for, for work. And yeah, they had a, a, an abysmal start to the season. They did really build towards the end. Maybe they sacked, sacked their coach. Too, they didn't sacked they? their yeah. coach. They yeah. hit. They maybe the, they hit that form at the right kind of time in the second half of the season as the the cup comp becomes sort of more prevalent. But yeah, it's quite remarkable. They they didn't make finals. They they didn't look anywhere near making finals for pretty much most of the year. And yet here they are with a, a couple of um, you know ex A League names, uh, some non A League names who have also caught the headlines and. Yeah, 90 minutes potentially and a goal away from, well, creating another chapter in history. They've made one, being the first NPL club to to make the final, but they could be the first NPL club to to win one against uh, a MacArthur FC side who have probably had a a slightly easier run, I think. Well, I mean, any A-League team is going to naturally have an easier run to the final than an NPL club, but they've obviously... Beaten Mackay with Sunday, Monbury, uh, Monbury Jets, both second division sides in their respective competitions. The win over Wellington, yep. of course, and then the uh, the sort of heartbreakers, the uh, the the uncool doing the uncool thing, I guess, for a lot of the neutrals and uh, beating up smacking on a, Oakley on their their beat, home park, beating up on a thirteen year old goalkeeper. Yeah, Come but on, I mean, w- what did you you were we weren't there for the Macarthur game? 
No, I watched it all. So they okay. uh, they went. Um, Oakley went up one nil to start off with. Yeah. I thought it was Wade Decker, wasn't it? The first one? No, Joe. Um, no, it was Joe Guest. Yeah, Joe, Joe Guest. Guest. Yeah, and I thought here we go. The upset's on. We really want that all NPL final, which would have been which have been good. And we talk about that whole sort of you know old soccer, new football kind of narrative that's been going on for twenty years now. I'm I'm really excited that a club with a lot of history and tradition has made it through. Mm. So you've got to remember that Sydney United were part of the National Soccer League. They actually won a, a cup back in 1987. They they are the, were the home and produced the likes of Mila Yedinak, Mark Bosnich, Robbie Slater, Graham Arnold, both played there as well. Um, Tony Popovich, Ante Milicic, they all come out of the Sydney United. So it's just a, a wonderful story for them. And we were talking off air as well that um, 10,000 tickets, I wonder how many of those tickets are be, have been brought by Croatian uh, clubs from other parts of the country. Yeah, well, this is the thing in case you in case you missed it, in case you haven't seen people discussing it online. But the just just so happens that this the tournament being uh, played or the final being played on the Saturday, the first Saturday of October, culminates or coincides rather with the Croatian soccer tournament, which mm-hmm. is a uh, congregation of all the sort of junior and senior uh, Croatian clubs playing a, a big tournament. Uh, a lot of the teams from Victoria, you know, Dandenong City, Melbourne Knights and Auburn Saints, Dinamo, yeah, North Geelong, yep. Gospitch Bears, I could mm-hmm. go on, uh, will all travel up and, and play in this uh, knockout competition. So there will be a, a festival uh, at King Tom at Adenza Park over the weekend and the timing couldn't be any better because they'll all be going in their droves Um to, to watch and support Sydney United against against MacArthur and look we had a quick look at the the ticket sales obviously we've seen that ten thousand figure pop up but we had a look at the ticket set website and there are two active two active bays at either end two for MacArthur two for Sydney United fifty eight Sydney United bays are gone so this Croatian tournament is the biggest that it has been ever because they haven't had it for the last two years obvious, for obvious reasons a long weekend in Sydney and because of the amount of teams that are travelling to Sydney or coming or playing from within Sydney. It starts on Thursday night so and goes through, and it's a long weekend in uh, other parts of the country, in New South Wales and Queensland on the Monday. So there'll be a lot of people travelling for that. That's quite an amazing setup. Mm. So And they're up against an A-League team that has not much history, a wonderful playing list and a marquee coach going for their first sort of trophy. But in terms of supporters, they I think MacArthur are going to be well outnumbered uh, when it comes to uh, the fans on Saturday night. Yeah, and look, I, I know that a lot of people were really clamoring for the idea of that all NPL final. I definitely, you know, having been in attendance at Jack Edwards for the the, the semi uh, against MacArthur, I will make no um, no attempt to disguise the fact that I wanted them to win uh, <laughs> because I I, I, yeah. I just love a I just love an upset. Yeah. I will always root for the underdog in any sport sporting competition where I don't have a pre-existing horse in the race. Uh, and I wanted Oakley to win on the night. They didn't. But the more I thought about it since then, I know everyone wanted the all NPL final. Yep. And they were really clamoring for that. But I put it to you, Jason, that this congregation, this selection of teams, which we would never have picked yep. to make make the final two, is almost the, the best, best possible. How so? Why do you say that? Well, I, I think... Obviously, you'd like to have a a, a victory or mm-hmm. a Sydney or a Western Sydney yep. or something involved. That goes without saying. 
But the amount of crossover between these two teams, you know, it's, it's, it's as you said, a club who have won the NSL, have won cups, one of the most historic clubs in Australian football. Mm. They are as old soccer as you can get. Yeah. Um, coming up against the newest of new football, pretty yep. much in MacArthur, the most recent men's team to make their their bow. They are so, so fresh. And, you know, we're on the eve of potentially uh, a national second division, hopefully after that emerging of old soccer and new football and sort of bringing it all together. It feels like the perfect time for this to be happening. It's the one of the old clubs against the newest and there's also a lot of crossover between these two sides. I mean, geographically, as geographically, well, yeah. yes. But I think the best example of it is, I mean, the uh, the the chief of, of, of football, uh, the chief football officer. I think no, not chief football officer. That's Ernie Merrick. Yeah. Um, the, the director of football or yep. football director, I think, is his official title. Um, Sam Krislovich, of course, mm. is a, a massive figure. Uh, was a massive figure at Sydney United. He was obviously involved in running the club. He's got. Two generations of family members, his father and his grandfather, who were key figures at Sydney United 58. His grandmother, sorry, his mum, Sam Krislovich's mum, won't talk to him for the next couple of weeks because she is a Sydney United 58 fan. Um, You've also got a a number of players in the MacArthur 11 who have featured for Croatian clubs for Sydney United 58 before. Uh, Ivan Vujica, yep. uh, Tommy Uzkok was a was a former Sydney United 58 player. And then on on the other side, you've got uh, Jacob Poscoliero who plays for uh, 58, but he, I think, has a, a role in the membership department or something for like MacArthur that for well. MacArthur. Yep. So there are so many little sort of elements and... Uh, it really speaks to the heart of what I love about the NPL. What I love about the Australia Cup is the the amount of sort of um, weird bits of minutia yeah. that you can get into. And I think that this particular matchup, while, yes, we'd love to have one of the biggest A-League clubs and have a massive final, but we still will get a massive final. But it's got so many of those tiny little tidbits yeah. that do make the NPL um, and do make the Cup great that I, I think this is almost... Perfect. Like if I was going to make a final in a lab, mm. I might might well have thrown these two sides together if I knew all the connections. The ro- the romance is magnificent, and what what you can say about Lowy's reign at the head of um, football in this country is that the Australia Cup, formerly FFA Cup, has been one of the um, absolute outstanding decisions that's really brought a lot of people together, and it's probably been the catalyst for the NSD when it uh, when it drops. And it's been amazing. And and even um, the game that you commentated in the round of 16, we had three NPL clubs take A-League clubs to penalty shootouts, um, which was just amazing. I mean, Sydney United go over Western United, but we almost had Adelaide City fell short of Adelaide United and, um, and Avondale just missed out with Brisbane Raw. But, like, how amazing is that, that we go to three penalty shootouts in those those final eight games? And the romance of the whole Magic of the Cup is is there, and I'm hoping for an upset. The bookmakers certainly don't think that's going to happen. Um, Sydney Croatia, oh sorry, Sydney United, excuse me, Sydney United no, 58. It's okay. I'll, um, I'll let it. I'll let it fly. Um, very, very, very long odds to get up in a, in a two horse race, but I hope they bring the atmosphere. I hope their supporters bring the noise. I hope the Croatian Australian supporters from around the country turn up and back them in. And um, it would be wonderful if they got up. It'd also be great for Australian football if MacArthur got up. But that's not a very popular opinion. But you've got your new marquee coach, 
And you've also got a, a, a an attacking playing list with the likes of Azani and Noon and Toure and Davila that's um that are pretty amazing. So I, I'm really looking forward to Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still I've got a commitment on Friday that I need to be here in Victoria for, but I'm honestly thinking about the the day off flight up to. You can drive up Sydney. on the Saturday. You could leave it. You could leave at seven. You might get. God, I could. <laughs> I could. If not, you can. You'll be able to catch it on TV. I'm. I'm really thinking about it. It's a, there's going to be some serious soul searching over the next couple of days just to decide. Am I crazy enough to to do this? I I, I worry that I. I yeah, worry that I might be. That's a good tournament. I, I worry that I, I really do worry that I might be. I mean, as for the crowd, we're expecting it to be, uh, regardless of how much it builds over that 10,000 figure at Combank with a lot of Croatian support, I think it is going to be a really great atmosphere. I think that's almost a certainty uh, at this point. Do you think it'll make a, if there is a kind of raucous atmosphere, that it'll make a tangible uh, difference? Is it going to unsettle MacArthur? I mean, they've been pretty... Um, you know that they've been pretty swashbuckling yeah, and, yeah. and commanding as they've they've gone through this uh, cup run, albeit against some sort of uh, you know lesser opponents to start start the run. I, I don't think that'll phase them. I'm sure they've been outnumbered most times in in most away games, and we consider it an away game for them as well, given uh, they're up against MPL opposition. Um, I just had a quick look. So, Combank Stadium's what capacity is about thirty thousand. So, um, with ten thousand already sold. Plus, you get a lot of walk-ups. Plus, you off the plane fresh <laughs> on Saturday, looking for a big crowd. No, I reckon I'm driving, the driving there. taking <laughs> taking the Volkswagen, going all the way up. I don't know where I'll park, but I'll worry about those problems later. Maybe I'll sleep in the car. Who That's knows? That's it. Shout out to Soccer Twitter. Someone will put you up. Find, <laughs> find a couch. Yeah, I'm sure I can can pester someone uh, enough to make that sort of thing happen. I mean. W- I know I've spoken of my my appreciation for the upset for the fairy tale, so I've kind of pinned my colours to the mast in terms of who I would like to yes. see win in this game. Do, are you willing? Are you brave enough to to make a prediction that might uh, see you you know fall foul of the uh, the tragics of of, of soccer Twitter? Um, no, I think it'll be Macarthur four one. Really? Yeah, I do. I do. Wow. Yeah. See. I- I thought you would were saying that just to antagonise me. No, 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 no. no. I, I don't. I would. I would love Sydney United to cause the upset. They are. They are massive underdogs. They haven't played properly for what? When, since the semi? When was that? Six weeks. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, the semi was what? Eleventh of September. So maybe three or four weeks. But their their season proper finished six six or seven weeks ago. And but then by that same token, they they have been solely focused on this. Like this is their. They're alpha and omega, yep. this competition, uh-huh. and, and, and focusing on it and preparing for it. I'm just I'm, – look, I like to be romantic. Sometimes I'm a realist. I'm, I'm going to go for one. What about you? I, I can't believe that I asked you, are you going to disappoint the soccer soccer tragics? <laughs> and then you answered, and I, I genuinely yeah. was flattened by your <laughs> response. <laughs> like, like, and it wasn't, even a, it wasn't even a conscious thing. I wasn't playing a character. No. Just subconsciously uh, – uh, there was a pit in my oh, stomach. I'm so that sorry, Lockie. No, no, the, it's, it's okay. It's I'll bring okay. flowers next week. We'll no, it's the great. Roman- because, romance of the cup. Because we'll now, now we can have contrasting opinions, okay. and I'm going to say that the the might of the Croatian soccer tournament yes. turning up, converging on Combank Stadium, and unsettling Macarthur is going to lead Sydney United because why not? Yep. Uh, to a one nil win. After extra time. After extra time. Right okay. old, right old cagey affair, nice. but that's where they may well, uh, may well excel. But 
regardless of, of what the, the final scoreline is, I'm just looking forward to what I think is going to be a, a great day. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Well, that's where we're going to leave it for this edition of the uh, the Oz Football, Hour, Oz Football Hour, the return of the Oz Football Hour. I don't know about you, Jason. I've, I've I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's good to be back. And, it um, is. And next week we can do a review of this final, see who's close yeah. to the score and look forward to the start of the A-League men. And hopefully everyone listening on at home is uh, in, enjoy the return as well. If you've got any questions, anything you want us to discuss on the next show, we are officially back uh, six to seven on Tuesday nights for the foreseeable future throughout the A-League season, throughout the Socceroos run through the cup as well. So make sure to uh, either get in contact on Twitter with myself, Lockie Flanagan, or with Jason Goldsmith. You can always uh, tag the station at FNR underscore radio. If you've missed any of the show tonight, you want to listen back to the Socceroos review or our Australia Cup preview. You can catch that on your preferred podcast platform or watch the live stream replays over on Twitch Facebook and Twitter as well. But uh, until next week, Jason, glad to see that the uh, the thawing process from Carbonite hasn't affected your speech or your mobility <laughs> or anything. You're in, you've been in tip-top shape. It's been great to have you back and uh, looking forward to talking to you again all over again next next week. Thanks, Lucky. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick. Come on here.